Hey guys, this is Rick Godwin, pastor of Summit Church here in San Antonio. Thanks for joining us today. You know, we're excited to have you on our podcast. Our goal is to inspire you and to challenge you and help everyone realize their full potential in Christ. Now enjoy the message. Well, I want to talk to you about the source of fear, the source of fear. There are some people now, if you watch social media, particularly on the religious side of social media, I, I go all over the place. I don't just hang out there. There are good facts of wisdom to help you in business and in life. But there are some people that are always barking, this is the end of everything. This is the end of our freedom as we know it. This is the end of the world. This is the end of democracy. This is the end of our economy. It's been going on for eternity. People say this is the end of life as we've known it. It's the end of everything. And I want to say, oh, shut up. You just, like a dog barking at, at a car passing by, every, just goes on and on and on. So it's the end of everything. It's kind of odd, isn't it? We keep wanting to know when the end of everything is that we cannot control. And it's so interesting, 2,000 years later, we're having the same conversations with each other that Jesus' disciples had with him. Jesus, when's the end of everything? And by the way, Jesus said, I actually don't know. That should make you nervous. See, here you have Jesus who steps into human history, got himself taking on flesh and blood, saying, I don't know. Or maybe... He's saying, it's not something I need to know. Isn't it interesting that he didn't even care? The very thing they wanted to know, when's all this going to end? When's everything going to end? He said, doesn't really matter. In fact, later, they came back and asked him again after he had been crucified, buried, and raised from the dead. So when somebody's been resurrected, you kind of figure they have some insights on the end of everything. And they said, you know, Jesus, when's it all going to end? And he said, wrong question. Stop asking when everything's going to end and start asking what you should be beginning. And what's interesting to me is that all the things we want to know are the things we can't control. But the one thing you can control, most never ask. You cannot control all the variants, the Delta variant, the Alpha variant, every other variant that's out there. There's so many things you and I cannot control that you're trying to bring to an end. But the one thing you can end is the power of fear over your life. And yet it's the one thing most Christians don't focus on. So I wanted to make sure we're on the same page. So I looked up the definition of fear. And this is what Mr. Webster said, just so we can be on the same page. Fear, a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger, evil, pain. Oh, and I like this one, etc. <laughs> What's in etc.? I don't know. He goes on to say, whether the threat is real or imagined, the feeling or condition of being afraid. So fear is an emotion aroused by a threat that is either real or or imagine. So just without making everything about fear, I wanted to start with the end game. 
I want to just read a particular passage to you because it's where we're going, it's where we're going to end, and it's what I want you to remember when you walk out today. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. God is speaking to Joshua. And you know this verse if you have any familiarity with Scripture. He said, Have not I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go, and I would add, in whatever circumstance you face. And by the way, the word discouraged, if you break it down, means without courage. So when you're discouraged, you are absent of courage. And I want you to notice, he says, have I not commanded you? Now, I know people talk a lot about the commands in the Bible, the things you're commanded to do. And most of the time, we focus about all the commands of what you're not supposed to do, right? Because those are the 10 commandments, the 10 don'ts. And so we know that we're commanded not to kill each other. That's a great suggestion. No, I mean command, right? He says, don't steal each other's stuff. He says, don't commit adultery. And those are the commandments that so oftentimes we focus on. But I want you to notice something. This is not a recommendation Joshua's getting. It's not a suggestion. It is actually a command. He said, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of courage. So he's actually commanding us to not live a life of fear. Has it ever occurred to you that the emotion, the space between you and the life God imagines for you, the space between you and the life God wants you to live, the space between you and the life God created you to live, the space between you and the life you long to live is always filled with fear. And that if you live your life navigating away from your fear, you will never get to the place you long for. You will never get to the life you imagine. You'll never get to the life you hope for. See, if you have a dream or a dream of a different life, if you have a dream of a, of a different you, if you have a dream of a different future, I know that what will fill the space between you and that dream is fear. And you have to figure out how not to go around that fear. You have to figure out how to navigate through that fear. And so if you're a follower of Jesus and you're a person who's informed by the scriptures, you need to know that courage is a command, not a recommendation. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Now, that's easy to say, but you only say that to people who are afraid. And I think sometimes we forget in the Bible when there's a huge conversation about something, it's usually because there's an absence of something. I mean, think about the name Joshua. When we think of the name Joshua, you actually think of somebody who's courageous and powerful. I mean, people name their kids Joshua because they want that kid to be like Joshua, strong and courageous. And yet the reality is when this was spoken to Joshua, he was actually afraid and discouraged. So if you name your kid Joshua, you're going, okay, okay, you're going to be inherently afraid and discouraged, but it's okay because God's going to speak to you at a crossroad in your life, and you're going to hear his voice say, I'm commanding you not to be afraid or discouraged. So the reason we remember Joshua is someone of courage is not because he was inherently courageous. 
We remember him as courageous because he stepped through his fears to the place God called him to live out his life. But the problem is that while fear is a distressing emotion, courage is not an emotion. You don't feel courageous. You just are. You know, a lot of times when a person feels courageous, they're not doing anything courageous. You see, here's, here's the terrifying thing. When you live by fear, you feel fear. When you live by courage, you still feel fear. <laughs> That's not what you expected to hear, is it? Yeah. Come on, Rick. See, there's no way around feeling fear unless you're just stupid. I mean, when people say, oh, I'm not afraid of anything, I go, well, you're not very bright. Because if nothing evokes the emotion of fear, you don't get it. You don't understand life. You don't know the reality of what's actually going on out there in life. See, it's not cynics and skeptics who see the danger. It's people who have a realistic perspective of reality. And if you think that courage will somehow eliminate the emotion of fear, think again. You don't get it. You will feel fear regardless. So if you're going to feel fear, if you live a life of fear, and if you're going to feel fear, if you live a life of courage, why not live a life of courage in spite then? You're going to feel it either way. So let's feel it with courage. Let's talk a little bit about the psychological nature of fear. What makes you afraid? Like snakes, spiders, heights, crowds, public speaking, whatever. What are you afraid of? There are things that make us afraid, and we think that those objects are the source of our fear. Anybody grow up afraid of the dark? And what people don't realize is those objects are not the source of your fear. Or you say, I'm afraid of crowds. But I want you to realize that whatever you think you are afraid of, it is not the source of your fear. Death is not the source of your fear. Death has no capacity to evoke fear in you. You are the source of your fear. Now, I'm aware, let me pause, I'm aware there is a spirit of fear. But all fear is not a demon. This is an emotion. And we all have emotions, okay? And you'll find an object on which to place your fear. So, if you're afraid of the dark, it's not the dark that makes you afraid. You're afraid. And you found dark as a place to put it. If you're afraid of the future, the future isn't causing your fear. It's not the source of your fear. You are the source of your fear. And the future is the object you've placed it on. So we have a heightened fear right now in American culture. People are living with overwhelming fear. And as I've listened to many, I realize they don't even know what they're afraid of. They're not sure. I mean, even with COVID, they weren't quite sure what they're afraid of. There are so many variables. But when you're terrified, you find a reason to validate your fear. And I began realizing as I've talked to people, they were already living in fear, but the world felt safe before terrorism or COVID. And it wasn't safe. By the way, that was an illusion that you gave yourself that you could function every day. See, before COVID, there were many diseases out there and still are that can get you. They're always out there. Before COVID, you could have been hit by a car. I remember sitting at the table with Erwin McManus in Arizona, 
And he was talking about being diagnosed with cancer. And he said, he said, I remember three weeks from the moment the doctor told me I had cancer and I was going to have to have surgery, some six hours of surgery. He said, I remember those three weeks during Christmas season. So I went and got our car detailed and fixed up because we were going to give it away at the church. I was driving it home from the place that had done the work of detailing it. I was three blocks from home when a white truck sped through a stop sign and hit me head on. It crushed his car and my car. It totaled them both. And I had this thought. I'm not even going to get to die of cancer. I mean, at least they gave me three weeks with cancer. You see, I don't know if you know it, but this world is dangerous. It's always been dangerous. And the only way you survive this dangerous world is not to focus on the danger, but to focus on opportunity, the promises of God, and the possibilities in this life. But what's happened is that we now have this cultural narrative where the only way to get you to do the right thing is to be afraid. See, we're in a moment in time right now where those who live by fear are going to be paralyzed at a level we've never seen before. And those who have courage are going to elevate and live life at a level most people never imagined. See, this isn't new for us. I just want to go through a couple of scriptural passages. Where did fear begin? And this is the first place in the Bible fear is ever recorded. It's in Genesis chapter 3. It only took us three chapters to get there. We humans didn't even exist in chapter 1, so we were really overachievers in this area of fear. So you know the story. God's walked into the garden. You know what happened. Adam and Eve made a decision God told them not to make. Don't eat from that tree of good and evil. And they were forbidden to eat, and they did it anyway. And they were naked and ashamed, and God walks into the garden and has a conversation with them. And God says to Adam, why are you hiding? And the man answers, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid. So this is the first time human beings are recorded to be motivated by fear, and the result of fear is hiding. And one of the things that you find about fear is that fear is our inadequacy turned into an emotion. Adam felt now inadequate to face God, to come to God. So now that fear, that emotion came on him. See, if you're being fueled by fear, if you're gripped by fear, if you're being defined by fear, I want you to realize fear is your inadequacy in some area, being translated into an emotion. And the moment you feel you're not good enough for this moment, the moment you feel like the situation or the circumstances around you are too big for you, you're going to have this overwhelming sense of inadequacy. And it's going to feel like fear. And that's why death can be so looming because, well, it seems like no one wins over death. Which, by the way, is why Jesus is so important because he did. That's why we put our life and our hope in him. You may be afraid of failure because you don't think you can overcome failure, inadequacy. So failure becomes proof of your inadequacy. Some of you are just afraid to love. You're afraid to move into a meaningful relationship with another human being because you tried to be intimate, you tried to be open, you tried to open up your heart to somebody. 
you tried to risk in love and your heart got broken and you're so afraid now because you feel inadequate. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. And you're wondering, can anybody love me completely? I'm so inadequate. See, some of you are doing a job you hate because you don't have the courage to go find the job you'd love because fear is actually holding you back because you feel inadequate to actually receive the career you long for. Have you ever had a dream or an ambition in your life, but there's that little voice inside saying, why you? Why should you have that? Why should you have someone who loves you unconditionally? Why should you have that career so fulfilling it actually becomes an expression of your passion? Why should you have that accomplishment that everybody else thinks you're incapable of? but you just keep knowing inside of you that this is something you should try. See, everything inside of you that God has placed in you is going to send you right into the ocean of fear. Joy to the world. <laughs> See, I think sometimes when we're followers of Jesus, we go, what's God's will for my life? And we think God's will will move us around fear. Well, that'd be great, wouldn't it? You go, oh, I... I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Or I know what I'm supposed to do, Rick, because there's no fear here. Well, let me sharpen you up a little bit and help you. A lot of people say, what do I do? I don't know what God's will is for my life. Well, here's my wisdom. If it doesn't make you afraid, it's not your calling. See, because it will always show your inadequacy. And by the way, even in relationships, if it doesn't make you afraid to lose that person, you don't care enough about them. If you're not afraid to lose your career, you're not passionate enough about that career. And a lot of times what we don't realize is that the things we love most in life actually become the environment for the most fear. It's not the fear of failure. It's not the fear of death. It's not the fear of the Delta variant. Uh, it's not the fear of getting sick. It's not the fear of losing the job. It's not the fear of losing the relationship. It's the fear you're not enough. So you run and you hide. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 10. And I love the way he talks so naturally about fear. In verse 26, he says, So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim it to the, from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body. That's easy for Jesus to say. He says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. He's like saying they have no power, no power over you. It feels like it. It does. He goes, but no, no, no. Don't let them confuse you. They can kill your body, but they can't touch your life. He says, rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. That's a little terrifying. And then Jesus goes on and says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very hairs on your head will all be numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. So what Jesus is actually saying is you have value in the heart and mind of God. Everyone listening to me, you have infinite value. And so those moments where you feel inadequate, 
those moments you feel like you're not worthy of love, you need to realize that God knows every single bird that falls and he cares much more deeply about you. That's what he just said. So don't let fear seep into your soul because you feel you're not worthy of being in God's presence. I mean, think about this. Adam and Eve messed up big time. They ran and hid from God, and God went looking for them. By the way, I pause right there to say, I've heard guys preach chasing God. I didn't chase God. Adam and Eve didn't chase God. Looks to me like God was chasing them. Where are you? Correct? I'm not afraid for controversy. I don't care who wrote the book. I'm not chasing. God's been chasing me since I was 18 years old. No question about it. All I did was run. I was good at that. But I, he, was, he was on my back chasing me, and I knew it. But I was afraid. I was afraid I was inadequate to come to him. I was afraid I was inadequate of what he might ask me to do. He asked me to go to a bad country and I'll marry an ugly woman. And, and I mean, I had all kinds of thoughts, right? None of them true, but the enemy used them to create that emotion of fear. So God went looking for them. Do you think God didn't know what they did? Of course he knew. God knew exactly what they did, but he still wanted them in his presence. They were the ones who assumed God would not want them anymore. They were inadequate. See, I don't care what you've ever done. I don't care what choice you've ever made, how much you've ever messed up. Don't let that voice in your head tell you God no longer wants you. Because even when you're most broken, God is determined to find you and grab a hold of you and bring you close to himself. How about a good shout? That is worthy of good news. But what's fascinating to me about fear is that not only is fear an emotion created through our sense of inadequacy, but what's fascinating is that fear is actually the absence of love. See, fear is not so much the absence of courage, but the absence of love, because courage is really the manifestation of a choice in a person filled with fear. Because we said, even if you're courageous, you feel fear. So listen to 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. It says, there is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. And you need to listen to the flip side of it. There's no love in fear. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So I don't know what you're afraid of. I don't know where you are on this spectrum of fear and courage. But I want you to realize the spectrum is not fear and courage. It's fear and love. I'll prove it in just a second. And the more you live your life absolutely confident of God's love for you, the less you'll live your life controlled or paralyzed by fear. And I can tell you, Cindy and I have been married almost 50 years, and we've had great days, and we've had bad days, mostly because of me. <laughs> but I'm never afraid Cindy doesn't love me. See, I always have this certainty. She may not like me today because I'm not likable today. But I have no doubt she loves me. And what that love does eliminates a lot of bad choices in my life because that perfect love casts out all fear. You never have to live your life by fear, not even with God, let alone your spouse. When you're actually living your life in love, you're not, not afraid. 
I've never had a day. There are many things I don't know well, but I've never had a day where I felt God didn't love me. I've never had a day when I didn't think, at, like as a son to a natural father, I couldn't go to my heavenly father and say, boy, I screwed up royalty today. I made a mess. It's shameful. I'm ashamed. I never once felt that I was so inadequate I couldn't come to him. Let us come boldly to his throne and receive grace and mercy. Where are you people? Talk to me. Holy Moses, I'm not crawling to my father. I'm not crawling to my heavenly father. Let us come boldly. Doesn't sound like crawling like a worm to me. He said, get your ugly self in here. Talk to me. I'm going to give you grace and mercy. And if you've got kids, you'll have that day if they're old enough. And so you end up in this odd relationship, see, because fear allows your life to be controlled by what I would call superstition, stupid thinking. You know, you begin to identify every negative thing that could happen to you, even though it never will happen. We all grew up with superstitions. My grandmother said, Ricky, don't point to the lightning. It'll give you warts. <laughs> what? She said, don't drink milk with fish. It will poison you. I heard nonsense there and in church, superstitious stuff in the culture. None of it was true. But I started thinking, I wonder how many other things have I been taught that have no basis in reality? And see, I wonder how many of us actually have all these layers of superstition because of fear in our lives. And the reason you're limited from living the life God created you for is because there's not really a limitation holding you back. It's a self-imposed narrative that you've allowed fear to write inside your soul. And what the scriptures tell us is that perfect love casts out all fear. So, so let's do a little self-development program. I can go to this church, don't be afraid. Everybody, don't be afraid. I get you jumping up now. We'll whoop it up, get the band to play. No fear, no fear, no fear. It'd be kind of awesome, right? Courage, courage, courage. Woo! And the moment you walk out, you're going to be afraid again. So if you want to live a life where fear has no power over you, you'll always feel it. But where it has no power over you, live a life where love encompasses you. So when you live a life of love, you always make every decision for the good of others. And you will not live your life in fear that even the harm others wish towards you can ever stop you from living the life God created me to live. I don't care what attack comes to me or you. I know, I know, I know it cannot stop the will of God for my life. It cannot. Might delay it a little bit, cause a little bit of confusion, but it cannot stop. I know that, so I'm not afraid. See, I know that. Because fear, remember, never comes from the object. It's not the source. You, me, we are the source of that fear. And if you can actually replace that fear with love, that's why Jesus is so important. Because when you open your life to Jesus and you invite him into your life, you're inviting love, perfect love, to have rule over you, to shape every aspect of who you are. And perfect love casts out all fear. Uh, let me just leave you with another thought. See, what we want is somehow to find a way to turn fear into courage. But really what happens is that love transforms fear into courage. When you love somebody, your actions begin to look like courage, even though you feel fear. 
And I've been in that situation before. I was just thinking before the service, when I was a lifeguard at a military base at an officer's pool, and I'm up in the tower uh, as the lifeguard when a baby fell into the deep end of the pool. And I remember this is in a nanosecond. Oh my God, I've got to get off this thing, jump down, run, dive in, get that baby. But unknown to me, out of a bunch of people that were screaming on the side, this woman comes screaming through there in a nanosecond, jumped into the pool, grabbed that baby, pulled over to the side where others helped her get out. She was the mother. She loved her child more than I did. She was faster. And so her action happened so fast that there seemed to be almost no reaction time between her love for her child and that love for her child gave her courage over her fear of drowning because she couldn't swim. But the love for the child gave her courage over her fear of drowning. Or a man runs into a burning house to save his child or a military soldier throws himself on a grenade to save his brothers. Why? But when you love somebody, all the questions become clear because there's only one question you have to answer. What do I do to act in love? I, I, let me, talking about fear. I got on a Delta Airlines flight many years ago from Savannah, Georgia, going to Atlanta. It was packed. And in the front two seats, right at the bulkhead, were two businessmen in suit. And I have never heard such cursing in my, I'm, I'm in a military family. I'm in reserve officers training. I was in a rock and roll band. Cussing was about like English. I am not easily offended. I am no prude. So let's put that on the table, okay? But I have never heard such words so loud coming through. You could hear it everywhere. And I wondered, these morons, have they no class at all? We got women on here, moms, we got kids on here, and it's just outrageously loud, and I'm three seats behind, and I'm dying. I'm thinking, well, the flight attendant's going to tell them to shut up, or some, somebody's going to say something at some point. It didn't happen, and they just kept going. I have ne- my, my, my love for virtue, not a Puritan here, my love for, this is so wrong, Forget being a Christian. This is just so wrong that I got up out of my seat, marched up to the front, and these two men sitting there, I had to face them. What I want you to know is, oh, that was a courageous act. Oh, you don't know. It's two against one. I could get hurt. We could get arrested, thrown off the plane, but I didn't care. My, my love for what was right in that issue was so strong, I did not care. So I overrode my fear. You can get beat up and whipped, Rick. I didn't care. And you carry such a presence when you don't care, it's intimidating to others. Make a long story short, they instantly apologized. I mean, I thought very sincerely, and they never said another word. And I went back to my seat. But I wanted you to see, was I afraid? Heck yeah. Well, what gave you courage? I just, I just, this is not right. It's so, un, it's so wrong. I got to do something. What do you lose your life? I just lose it. I don't care. I'm gonna, what do you go to jail? I don't care. I don't care. Do you see how perfect love casts out fear? 
See, there are a lot of choices in your life you've been putting off, and it's because you're not fueled by love. See, a lot of hard decisions you haven't made because you're not fueled by love. A lot of relationships you haven't fixed because you're not fueled by love. There are a lot of choices in your life that are waiting to be made. And if you can actually begin to live your life by love, you begin to live a life of courage because courage is fueled by love and love casts out all fear. And the scriptures are so clear. It says in Proverbs 28, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. And one of the things I realized is that you can be really courageous in making money and be a coward when it comes to relationships. You can be super courageous when it comes to wealth and be a coward when it comes to character. And a lot of times, somebody will buy a Lamborghini to compensate for all their fear. Fear that I won't be perceived as successful. Fear that I won't be perceived as really making it to the top. Fear that I won't fit in with a big, my inadequacy in that fear causes me to go out and spend outrageous sums of money on something that I don't need, maybe can't even afford. Or we live the Instagram life to compensate for all the things we're hiding in our souls. And I think what's really to me, most important in life, is to ask the question, what am I running from? And second, what am I running to? Because the wicked, they flee when nobody pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. And the real question is, why are you afraid? Because you'll find something to justify your fear. You'll do that if you don't deal with the fear that haunts you, controls you, and owns you. Whatever you fear has mastery over your life. And if you're afraid of heights, you stay low. If you're afraid of people, you stay alone. If you're afraid of snakes, you stay in New Zealand. They don't have any. Wherever it is, whatever it is you fear will establish the boundaries of your freedom. But when you fear nothing but God, God's perfect love destroys the power of fear over your life. And when you live in that freedom, you learn what it means to live. Hey, we're all here because Jesus died 2,000 years ago, so we could be free that we could live a life fueled by love. You, me, we are the end of fear. Hey, thanks again for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. Follow me by visiting the links in the description. I'm praying today that God richly blesses you this entire week.